0: This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Leon Bright, who's a local birder, He's part of Arkansas Valley Audubon Society and is a past president of that group. He recently gave a talk at the library, which is where we connected. And I thought we'd talk a little bit about birding in the wintertime season. And we're directly in that season now. Leon, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Now, you have a place here in the Wet Mountain Valley as well as a place down in Pueblo, which is where you've lived for some years. Yes. And how often are you able to get up this way?
1: Well, we're pretty close to a part-time summer resident. My wife and I come up uh, when it gets warm. Our cabin is at the end of Verdemont Road, uh, Uh uh, bordering the National Forest. And so when it gets warm, we come up and we're here three or four days each week, every week during the warm season.
0: Great. Now, a lot of people find birds quite interesting. We were driving in Kansas the, just this past weekend, and on the side of the road with some fairly large birds was a ringneck pheasant, which I view as sort of exotic. I don't know that it is, but I, it's been a long time since I've seen one, and they're very distinctive. Well, since they come from China, they are exotic. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> Uh, There are a few birds locally that are that colorful. (laughs) That's right, yes. Uh So birding is one of the most popular pastimes in the country. Why why are people so passionate about looking at birds? Birds have a a great variety of species, colors,
1: uh, activities. They fly. That's pretty unusual. They have a pretty song, all different kinds of colors. So what's not to like?
0: <laughs> How did you develop an interest in birds way back?
1: Well, I can't remember that because I've, I can't remember when I was not interested in birds. Growing up in the rural Midwest, we had a lot of birds there with different colors and just caught my eye as a boy.
0: So what are the, some of the most unusual birds that you've spotted over the years?
1: Oh, uh, probably an anhinga in Florida. The anhinga is a, a water bird with a snake-like neck. Some They've got a nickname as being the snake bird, hmm. and they can swim partially submerged with just their head sticking out. That's a pretty odd bird. Okay. I can mention uh, probably another 12, but we'll go on to something
0: else. <laughs> huh. Okay. I'm sure you've seen them over the years. Now, for folks out there who are interested in birds but don't do it, say, seriously – what are the tools and the gear that someone like you takes into the field uh, on a day of birding?
1: Okay. You don't have to have binoculars, but they really add to your experience in birding. Mm-hmm. Bir- uh, binoculars uh, are range from very cheap, and they're almost useless, to ones <laughs> that uh, sometimes people have to trade in their car for them. <laughs> uh, but yes, b- binoculars are very important And along that, you don't have to have one, but a spotting scope helps for birds that are farther away, especially if you're looking at open water birds, birds from a distance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the two main tools.
0: We used to go on a a cruise that went through the uh, Aransas Wildlife Refuge to look at the whooping cranes and the Mm -hmm. other shorebirds in Texas. And one of the best tools to have was the biologist from the University of Texas who could identify all these things. So if someone can go out with someone like yourself, that's got to be a huge thing.
1: It is. Uh, That works the fastest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're in the dead of winter right here. We've just had a good snow. Uh, I was interested in winter birds. Uh, What are the most common winter birds that folks see in the wet mountain valley? Stellar's Jay.
1: It's Mm -hmm. a big... uh, dark blue bird that is pretty raucous, and it is here year-round, but they really stand out in the snow. Mm -hmm. Red-tailed hawks um, and other hawks, we have uh, several hawks here regularly in the valley. In small birds, horned larks, you can see if if the ground is covered, they'll come out where the road is graded off. Uh, Horned larks like dirt. (laughs) <laughs> uh, they they feel that they're more safe that way than if they're in... Uh, they like to feed on the ground, and if they're on the ground, they don't want a lot of grass around, because small predators can sneak up mm. on them that way. Mm. So horned larks are very common here in the winter.
0: Okay. I know where we are in the winter, Clark's nutcracker are pretty common. Magpies, uh, you see a lot. Right. those uh,
1: The Clark's nutcrackers, magpies, and the Steller's uh, Stellar's jays are all members
0: of the jay family. Okay. You mentioned uh, red-tailed hawk. Uh, other, other raptors that folks might see in the wintertime? Well, of course, uh, most people around here
1: know of the golden eagles that we have in the southern part of the, of the valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we In the wintertime, bald eagles come down. We don't see them in the summer. They go back up to Canada. And we also have another Canadian hawk, the rough-legged hawk, comes mm-hmm. down in the winter. And usually, is not around in the summer. They go back north. Swainson's hawks come in. Uh, they are the ones that come in very at the end of the winter. If you see a Swainson's hawk, you know a spring's on its way.
0: <laughs> now, up where we are, we we have a lot of ravens and crows. And if you're if you're close up, they're easy to tell. Are there are there ways to tell them apart if you're a little more distant? If it, if the birds are flying.
1: If the bird flaps a while and sails a while, glides, Mm -hmm. then that's a raven. Mm -hmm. If it continues a fairly steady flapping, like like rowing a boat more or less, but doesn't sail very much, then that's a crow. Okay. Also, if uh, if you can see the
0: two together, the raven is larger. I saw one on a telephone pole this morning. In. It looked like it was the size of an eagle, I'm sure it wasn't, but uh-huh. that that's how it struck me, they so. are large birds, yes, <laughs> and quite intelligent, yes, uh, very much so, yeah. yes now, if someone was interested in getting into birds in the winter time and maybe going out, would you have any f- spots that you'd recommend as as good places to take a look
1: on a pole right outside your house with a <laughs> feeder, <laughs> uh, otherwise, if you can find. Uh, running water in Grape Creek, mm-hmm. uh, down below the dam, at Lake Deweese. But your best
0: bet is to put up feeders. Mm-hmm. Do you have feeders here locally? Yes. Uh, where, at your local house, yes.
1: Yes. Um, since we're not here part of the time, in the, uh, well, for quite a length of time, and we never know exactly when the bears will be out, I hang mine well up high on the north side of our cabin, Mm -hmm. which is about 12 feet above the ground.
0: If one was interested in putting up a feeder in their yard to attract birds, what are the different kinds and what's your suggestion?
1: Well, in the winter, tube feeders are the best. Okay. Platform feeders are fine if you're there to be around it all the time Mm -hmm. so that the bear doesn't get into it if if it's warm enough for the bear to be out. okay. Then I also have a, a... Suet blocks that I hang up, uh, small birds that like to hang upside down under the block mm-hmm. um, will get to the suet, and it, it's very nutritious for them. Those are the most common in the wintertime.
0: Okay. Uh, think about the summertime. Uh, a lot of folks have hummingbird feeders uh, in that season. Does your
1: feeder strategy change in the summertime? Yes. For one thing, I, I can hang them out uh, during the day and then take them in at night. Okay. And... And as far as hummingbirds are concerned, at our cabin we hang quart size hummingbird feeders. Uh, we have six that we hang out. Wow. And we've um, used, I think it was around 300 pounds of sugar last summer.
0: <laughs> so how many, at one time, how many hummingbirds do you think are there? Around 30. Oh, that's a good number. Yeah. There's nothing more fascinating than a hummingbird. Oh, that's right, yeah. Is it true that it's only found in the Western Hemisphere? That's true, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's throughout the Western Hemisphere. Let me ask about something interesting to me, and that's the winter bird count. When you gave your talk, part of your talk was uh, summarizing that. Uh, how long has that been going on? How is it put together? Uh, how, how does it happen? The Christmas bird counts started in 1900
1: uh, in Florida and have been... Spreading everywhere, all over the United States, also to other countries. Now they're all over the world. The Christmas bird count objective is to find all of the species of birds and numbers of birds within a seven and a half mile radius around a, a, a arbitrarily chosen point. Okay, and so the here um, downtown Westcliff is the point, and we look. In a 15 mile diameter circle Mm -hmm. or seven and a half mile radius around Westcliff. And we divide it into four quadrants so that uh, we'll have a team that takes each quadrant. And we'll usually have uh, between eight, and then this year we had, I think, 18 or something like that. Okay. Uh, People who went out to count all the birds. And then after we've done that, we send that information in to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and National Audubon Society. They work together to compile all this information from all of these bird counts from all over the Western Hemisphere mm-hmm. and other, other countries and other parts of the world. And they use that
0: information to see how birds are faring. Over time, from year to year, you can see what the trends are. Uh, there's more of this or less of that. Mm. And what, what have been the trends in the wet mountain valley over the last few years? I imagine you've been involved uh, some years. Uh, yes, over 20, uh, maybe 30 now. <laughs> so what changes have you uh, we, noted? We're
1: seeing fewer numbers of birds, and we, our number of species is not quite as high mm-hmm. on each count. And that is also reflected uh, all over the other areas where the bird counts are being held. Mm -hmm. In the last 50 years, we've lost almost 30% of our bird species in numbers.
0: Okay. That's somewhat distressing, I'm sure, for uh, for for folks uh, watching this. Are those trends similar in other parts of the country, would you think? Uh, No,
1: it's a little bit different. It's a very complex situation. The birds that have lost numbers and suffered the most are the grassland birds. Okay. And, of course, that would include eastern Colorado and, uh, to a certain degree, here in, in the, on the valley floor. Uh, and is
0: that just the uh, the number of acres going away that's, yes, part that's available, uh, wetlands and that sort of thing? Yes,
1: part of that is loss of habitat. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, other areas it's, uh, in the grasslands where they – spray for insecticides that reduces the number of of insects mm-hmm. reduces the food
0: source for the birds that live in the grasslands okay i know that uh, every year you probably have a few surprises some kind of exotic species or some some things that you may or may not see it seems like uh, pygmy owl was one this year what what were unusual species this year
1: Uh, Yes, we did have a pygmy owl. We hadn't had one for many years. Now, they're usually around. It's not that they were just absent, Mm -hmm. but they're not easy to find. Pygmy owls, as the name suggests, are very small. Uh, The first one that I remember seeing was a a long time ago up at the Pines Ranch, and we were there on a Christmas bird count looking at the birds. It's a good place to go up and and find different birds, and we appreciate their hospitality. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... We noticed there was a flock of small birds, chickadees and nuthatches, were fussing around, making a, a ruckus. And we went over there, and what they were doing, they were antagonizing a pygmy owl that was sitting there, <laughs> because pygmy owls will try to get young of those birds. Mm-hmm. But this time it had a shrew that it was dining on. Okay. And that was a really fun sighting. And then this last count this winter, I mean, sorry, this. Um, January. Uh, we did see one more over on the west side
0: of the valley. As this uh, program airs, we're coming up on uh, the first part of March. Sandhill Hill Cranes on the other side mm-hmm. of the range mm-hmm. is a popular tourist destination. Any suggestions for folks who haven't s- perhaps seen that and might be interested? That's a wonderful experience. And we can see them here uh,
1: while they're migrating over if you're outside and you hear a, a very distinct call, nothing like you've ever heard before, kind of a flute like chattering call, and if you look high in the sky, you can see them flying over. They may fly over at 10,000 feet, and they'll fly over the top of the range. And if you go over to the Monte Vista, the, to the festival over there next month in March, then uh, they have all kinds of organized tours. And it's a fantastically and interesting spectacle.
0: It, and there's thousands of them. And they're, yes. and they're huge. Like so it's... Uh, 30,000. It, if, if you haven't done that, that's a great thing to do. Leon, we're uh, running short of time, but anything else that uh, folks should know out there?
1: Well, I would uh, urge everyone to think about feeding birds. In the summertime, make sure you bring the, feed, uh, the, the feeders in uh, during the night so that you don't attract any bears. But there are different kinds of feeders. And there's different kinds of seed. The best seed is black oil sunflower seed. And then it depends on what you want to attract as to what other kinds of seed that uh, you want to put out. Just go to the internet, look for bird feeding or the
0: top bird seeds or anything like that, and you can get all kinds of information from the internet. Okay. Leon, we appreciate you uh, stopping by today. Under full disclosure, I... In the past, uh, I worked as a paleontologist, and uh, these days, I like to uh, refer to birds as avian dinosaurs because the, uh, the, the uh, lin- lineage from the dinosaurs to the present birds is stronger than has been thought in the past. You know, and I don't know. Any, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, uh,
1: yes, birds are known as the modern dinosaurs now.
0: So, uh, so, again, what's not to like? Uh, we've been visiting with Leon Bright, who's part of the Arkansas Valley Audubon Society. He's a past president of that group, and he has recently been in town uh, giving a talk on uh, winter birds and the winter bird count. Leon, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM, Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground.